This is 100% Ska, your weekly dose of upbeat tunes spinning on the wheels of steel, with your host, DJ Ryan Midnight. Roll up the rug, grab your favorite drink, and let's dance. the newest episode of 100% Ska. This is your host, DJ Ryan Midnight, as always, broadcasting from our secret location deep in the heart of Jersey City. Woo! 
Um, we're recording here on uh, Sunday afternoon, and it is uh, a pretty uh, dreary, uh, dreary day there. Not raining right now, uh, but it was, and I wouldn't ex be surprised if it didn't rain uh, again sometime later today. Fortunately, we've got some uh, some great ska music here. Um, we also have, uh, coming up a little bit later in the episode, a uh, interview with DC's The Fuss. So really stick around for that. It's a great interview. Um, and uh, what else we got? Oh, well, of course. Uh, we are, uh, because it is a little jury out there, um, and hell, it's, just, it's the afternoon, but why not? Uh, this episode is, of course, being fueled by Jamaican rum, so yeehaw to that. Um, starting off with this uh, next set, I do want to kind of take a little bit of a segue here. Um, so if you are not familiar, um, there or not already aware of this, you need to be aware. Uh, the uh, bass player for uh, Bigger Thomas, uh, Mark Wasserman, uh, who you may also know from the uh, blog Marco on the Bass, uh, has been diligently working on a... Um, I guess on a, on a book, basically, on the uh, on American ska. Uh, so he's been doing like tons and tons of uh, interviews with a, with a lot of bands. Uh, you should really follow him on Facebook. He's doing like all these great little excerpts um, from as he's doing his interviews, um, kind of like building up this uh, you know the the hype around this book. And it really sounds amazing. I'm really excited uh, when this finally gets out. I'm not sure if he has a release date yet for it. I think he's still writing it, but. Um, but um, the really great thing is that through um, his posts, um, I'm still being exposed to, to bands that have been like kind of like overlooked or I've, I've just never heard of before through one way or another, even though I, I tend to think of myself as, as someone who's, who's pretty in touch with uh, the, uh, the ska genre the ska, and, the, and the history of ska. Um, but he, he exposed me a couple weeks back in a post to um, a new band. And of course, I had to get out, go out and, uh, and, and hunt down. Uh, a 7-inch or a recording from this band for the show. Um, so uh, I did such that. Um, and this band is uh, the Box Boys, uh, and they were out of, uh, out of Southern California, out of L.A., um, super late 70s, early 80s. Um, you know, so one of the really, I think, first, I would say one of the first American bands uh, influenced by the, the two-tone sound coming out of, uh, out of the U.K., um, and I think you're going to hear a lot of that influence here. Um, so without further ado, let's listen to The Box Boys with American Masquerade right here on 100% Ska.
welcome back. This is 100% Ska, and I am your host, DJ Ryan Midnight, as always, broadcasting from our secret location deep in the heart of Jersey City. Uh, let me tell you what you just heard there. Um, that was kind of like a little bit of a very heavy uh, two-tone slash kind of pseudo two-clone uh, influenced uh, music there. Uh, so the last song you just heard there was The Hoovers with World Gone Mad. And an interesting note about the Hoovers, if memory serves correctly, because I'm not, I didn't bother looking at this, looking, re-looking this up on the internet. Um, the Hoovers, which are based, which were based out of California, although I think they're actually still around in one weird form or another. Um, the Hoovers were actually the first and only American band that uh, Jerry Dammers was actually considering uh, recording and releasing something on uh, the two-tone label. Uh, with. Um, unfortunately, that never came to fruition, um, but I believe, if memory serves correct, um, that is um, something that almost came uh, came to. So you, we almost had an international uh, two-tone label. Um, so pretty cool there. Um, before that was Heavy Manners out of Chicago with Hometown Ska, Headline before that with Carolina, and we started that all off with a new, uh, new to my collection, and a new song to me, uh, song, uh, that was The Box Boys with American Masquerade. Um, so let's see, you wanna to listen to an interview with The Fuss? I think you do. Uh, so I was down in uh, DC uh, a couple days back and uh, had the very good fortune of uh, interviewing uh, a couple members uh, of The Fuss um, after their performance at uh, Wonderland Ballroom uh, as part of their ongoing uh, Blue Beat DC uh, monthly series. So let's listen uh, to that interview. So I'm outside the wonderful Wonderland Ballroom in Washington DC with a couple members of the Fuss. After an amazing performance, we'll do the we'll do the standard uh, start up and just uh, give us an intro to yourselves and uh, what you do with the Fuss. I'm Andy Leo, and I'm the lead singer of the Fuss. Uh, Keith Duncan, trombone player. And for those that might not be really familiar yet because I, I emphasize the yet for those who might not be familiar yet with the fuss what would you what would you define like your sound as the kind of like the major influences for the band well um in very basic terms uh we aim to be traditional ska rock steady and early reggae um as far as influences uh gosh it's just kind of crazy all over the map i mean m mostly you know jamaican 60s uh, Scott Rock said he reggae. <laughs> no, I, 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 I think that, that that's just about right. Like, I think um, we have a, uh, a, a strong sense of, like, 60s reggae, rock steady, ska. If you listen closely, we also, I, I think a lot of us have a uh, tendency to like the 80s as well. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, you can you can hear, we're, you know, we're influenced, obviously, by our own interests and, and the time that we're living in. So, you know, we love, we love two-tone and, you know, we're living in 2018, so certainly there's um, things that we don't, we can't even account for that are influences, I think. Mm -hmm. And just out of curiosity, because I, I think it's always interesting to hear, what was your, like, kind of, like, first exposure to the ska sound? Like, what was your, how did you find the genre, so to speak? Through punk. Operation Ivy. Uh, that, that's uh, the polar opposite for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I grew up in Southern California, um, and I remember uh, probably, like, 92, 93, going to see No Doubt and Sublime, and that kicked it off for me. 
you grew up listening to Fishbone and Oingo Boingo and things like this, and so that was in the back of your head. But then I saw Hepcat and Ocean Eleven and bands like that, and that that changed everything for me. Like it was like that was definitely like oh that's actually what I want to do. All these other bands are kind of fun, whatever. But I'd grown tired of like for lack of a better term the third third wave scene. And then、uh, I heard like the LA traditional sounds, and that was that that's what did it for me. So like in DC in the nineties,、um, I mean. When I was getting into things, probably a few years later than Duncan, and it was just like this explosion of just like scows everywhere because scow was so huge in the '90s. But you know, of course, there was this like kind of third wave scow punk. But like for me, you know, that was like a gateway drug into like more traditional sounds. And then、um, you know, I remember that like in the late '90s, like '98, '99, here in DC, we just kind of like I started taking for granted that you could just. See madness, Hepcat. You know, all of these bands were just playing here, and it's like, and of course, like Toasters, and then you had all of the Moonska bands that were coming down to play from New York and everything. And、um, we had a couple venues here in the DC area that were. I think we all took it for granted. We took it for granted. I mean, <laughs> I it was just、really、like,、yeah. oh, it's just always going to be like this.、Yeah. And, then, and but you know, we like fell so much in love with that, and it was such a great community and such a scene. And、um, you know, we have really through Bluebeat, you know, here in DC, kept that going. It keeps going. I, I mean, like that—that's that, the thing—is that I, I don't know what DC was like back then because I'm not from here.、Uh, but but nonetheless, I think it's. It's it's important to note that uh, uh, from my perspective, I think the bands are better now in a lot of ways, and that that's it's weird to say because I think it was more popular then. You know, I, I'm not a nostalgic person.、I've, in most ways, the bands that、uh, that we have in, in the club and the bands that I see just in general, the bands I hear online, are way better. Bands who are playing this music are actually in it for、uh, music's sake,、yeah. and that that's that's what I've been seeing last. Ten, fifteen years, easy.、Uh, the bands are better now. They, 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 they really are.、Uh, see,、uh, in the nineties, I'd see uh, uh, three, three, four, five bands that all sounded the same, and、uh, yeah, I broke, broke well, my pocket for anything. That's all right. That's,、yeah. that's all right. It's 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 a punk rock interview, you know. So you mentioned it's like kind of like perpetuating the scene, but now so now it's like twenty、right. eighteen, and, <laughs> and you have as the fuss, you you just put out your your first full length、uh, yes. album ourselves. Yeah. So when Uh, and obviously, first and foremost, congratulations to to getting that out. Thank you.、Um, and and still, like in this in this day and age, where like there's literally no money to be made in putting albums out. Yeah. You're putting an album out, which is great. So because now we want we can have a piece of the fuss.、Yes. And if you haven't yet picked it up yet, jumpuprecords.com. Go buy the fuss album ourselves. But I I do want to ask like you know, either for this album specifically or for like the fuss in general. How is your what is like your the the approach to, like writing or writing and bringing the music to the band? Like do you have a couple people that kind of take the the lead in bringing in writing the music or is it much more of a Kind of a collaborative pastiche. We have literally done this in every way you could possibly imagine. I mean, there's been songs that,、um, for instance, the instrumental song that we opened up with tonight, "Old Testament."、Mm-hmm. Um, John, our bass player, wrote in its entirety, and、um, and that's one of our songs, and、mm-hmm. it's John's song. 
Um, however, there are other songs that um, maybe we'll start out with a progression and we'll play around with it and we'll just jam and then we'll, you know, and then I'll come up and write a melody and lyrics to it. Or we've also even done it the other way where, like, I will start with a melody and lyrics and then we'll try to figure out how to work a song out around that. Or even sometimes we've started with horn lines or bass lines and we yeah. just kind of figure out where to go from there or guitar lines even yeah. um for tear it down um that was um my quest as our um, guitar player like uh, his like initial just this little hook and then we kind of built a song around it so it is very collaborative i would say and it's like hey what you got like anybody got anything what mm -hmm. are we working on so anybody can bring anything in and i, I wouldn't really say there's like a, a a leader in writing i would say we, it is pretty collaborative and mm -hmm. uh yeah we just yeah and do I, what I, we can i do want to say like like old testament like i mean first and foremost like the the musicianship that you present both on the album and live is phenomenal and like old old testament like really when i first listened to the album like really stood out to me is like you could li like this is like torn right out of like studio one or like treasure isle like you if you played this like you could not differentiate this from any which is like this like, just really blew my mind so we definitely have, you know, some people in, in our band, we're very lucky that we have people who really love the music and know, you know, have roots in, you know, 60s Sky Rock City Reggae and, uh, you know, and I would say that's definitely Duncan. That's Mike Cuesta, the guitar player, and, and John Buck, our bass player, and now our new drummer, uh, Jason Butman. So, um, and actually really even, even Jersey Mike. Yeah. Um, has got some some great ideas. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I, I think it's one of those things where. Uh well, I joined the band a little bit later than when, when the band actually started, but there was definitely an emphasis on rock steady and reggae when we started, and then people started bringing in whatever it was that they were uh, listening to, and whatever is, and therefore whatever they were writing because of what they were listening to, and that makes all the difference. I think it'd be boring just to listen to a band play an hour of ska or an hour of rocksteady, or an hour of reggae. So it's like, well, what are you listening to? Well, I'm listening to this, blah, blah, blah. And I, I've written something that sounds like this, this, and that. And so our influences, I feel like, have grown quite a bit since when we first started, where it was very, uh, not necessarily strictly, but I feel like it was a lot stronger towards rocksteady and reggae. Now it's a little bit more ska, it's a little more this, a little more that. I think that we're a little bit more open to whatever anybody brings to the table. It's like, this is what I'm listening to. Let's take the fuss take on this song or whatever this may be. And then also you, for for ourselves, the, the album, um, you had Agent J produce the album itself. Yeah. Um, so how did that collaboration um, come into play? So when we put out our, our first uh, like real recording, the EP, and um, you know it was fine. We liked it, and you know we liked the songs and everything. But we thought you know we could really benefit from having like a third party critique and help guide it and help see the things. We're too close into it, you know, to, someone to help guide it along, someone who knows the genre really well, which of course Agent J does, and so he we knew that he was like doing that kind of thing and we know him and we talked to him about doing that and turns out there's a studio he's been working with now so uh so we just kind of had some conversations and ended up going that route i think the uh, the the best thing i can say about jay is that he challenged us mm -hmm. is that a lot of songs are as presented the way we did it 
you know, in, in the basement. Uh, other songs, it was like, I think you could do this or that better. But he put it upon us to make that change. And that change has been reflected in, you know, in, in the record. So, yeah, I, I'm super happy with the fact that we went, we went with Jay. Like, I, I, I don't like going to New York in January. I don't think anybody does. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were stuck in 10-degree weather and blizzards trying to get to the studio. It was crazy. And, and I, well, I saw you guys play that night at, oh, uh, at, El, were, at, oh, at El Cortez. Yeah. So that was that was really but great. It was it was so great having Jay come in and say, "I think you should do this." And it's like, well, I don't know, uh, you know, it, you'd have this back and forth, and then all of a sudden you'd have a different arrangement to this song. This song we've been doing for I don't know six months, a year, you know, whatever, and then that works and then you hear it, it's like oh my god like that, that that makes sense yeah so i think that's that's what jay brought to the table i mean besides the mixing and and, and all that the all that that mastery yes. there was there was there was him stepping into the studio and saying i'm going to challenge you to do something different right here now what what do you got and mm-hmm. it, I think it made all the difference. Um, so we kind of touched on this a little bit at the at the beginning of this. You've kind of mentioned how like DC had this like really great like scene, like kind of like once upon a time. DC for me was always like this kind of like one of the epicenters. So you had like yeah. New York, you had LA, and you had like DC with like the pie tasters and the skunks and like checkered cabs and like everything that like Cass right. has been doing. Um, Eastern Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. And now you are kind of I think almost taking the lead here in continuing the scene with Blue Beat DC, which is, um, well, I'll let you in kind of like your own words, like say, like give give a sense of like what Blue Beat DC is, is really all about. All right, so um, <laughs> when, I, when I first moved here, it, it's hard to explain because I, I think DC, uh, Blue Beat DC is its own thing now. Uh, and it's, it's hard to uh, almost to force myself from that as like a, a person because like I love it. And, and, and by the way, as far as I'm concerned, Andy is part of that as well. Like that, like that. This is just what we do. Uh, when I first moved here, uh, there was a handful of clubs, and they put on music, and that was that. And if you hit them up, like to play a gig, like let's say you put together a band, it was this uh, insane rigmarole of like how many people are you going to bring, uh, uh, like uh, you know, who do you know, who are you going to open for, blah, 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 like, like all these like we, like like this this weird. Uh, 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 contingencies in order to play at the three or four venues in dc so i got here and i was like well this is i mean this is me i'm from i'm from southern california i was like well this is weird like i could just call up the belly up you know in san diego and say i want to open for the agrolites when they come through you know Hopefully you can give us a break. Or I could give Chris Murray a call in Los Angeles and say, I've got a band going on and I want to play Bluebeat, Bluebeat Lounge in Los Angeles. So that was the thing. That, that was the thing always about Bluebeat in, in L.A. You send him, you send him, you send him an email, you send Chris Murray an email and he'd book you. No questions asked. That was it. So I get here. So again, fast forward a couple of years. I'm in DC. You know, I start a band. It's not that great, whatever. But I, I just, I just want to play. Like all I want to do is just play. And it's killing me that like I'm sending email after email. I'm, I'm calling people. Like I'm just, like, I, I just want, I just want to get a bill. And like there's always like all these weird contingencies. Like who, you get, how many people are you going to bring out? Blah 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 blah. Pay to play. All this, all this bullshit. Sorry for, for lack of a better term. And so I was like, 
you know, I want to do in D.C. what Chris Murray did in Los Angeles, where you send somebody an email and he'll book you. He might not book you next week. He may not book you this month, but he's going to book you. As long as you play some sort of ska and reggae, that's it. Doesn't matter if it's third wave, doesn't matter if it's two-tone, doesn't matter if it's traditional, what, what, what have you. So I gave Chris a call and I said, I want to do in D.C. what you're doing in Los Angeles. And uh, unfortunately at the time he said, well, we're, we're closing down the Blue Beat Lounge. It's, it's done. Uh, but you can do Blue Beat in D.C. Just don't call it the Blue Beat Lounge. Call it anything you want. So I said, well, I'll call it Blue Beat D.C. And that was eight years ago and we've been doing it ever since. So that's... A very truncated version. Like there, there's been some, you know, obstacles along the way. But that, that's it. We've we, we've been doing it for eight years. And like I said, it's 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 me, Andy, Mike. We've been doing this for for a long time. Um, and I I I hope it never stops. I don't. At some point, I don't want to do this forever. I hope somebody else does this. But I hope it never stops. There needs to be a place for this type of music to be, you know, to emanate. And it's and so and so Blue Beat DC is every third Thursday. Right. Yes. At the Wonder at the the Wonderland Ballroom. And yeah, this this was an amazing show tonight. Um, you know, it would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the Twilights who came yes. all the way down from uh, Pennsylvania to play. They like kicked off an amazing amazing set here um, as well. So I wanted I know you know um, first and foremost again your guys had awesome set awesome set tonight. I want to close this out by asking any genre what is your ultimate guilty pleasure song I don't um, I think I've reached a point in my life where I don't consider anything guilty in terms of music you know but in terms of what is generally meant by that (laughs) um, I don't know I like a lot of 80s pop um I have been for the last I don't know year or two on like a massive ex- ecstasy obsession. So um, I fucking love ecstasy. And mm-hmm. aside from that, I don't know. I also I I, I dabble in you know new uh, American indie bands um, and um, maybe probably one of the weirdest things that's very controversial is uh, Morrissey. I'm a huge Morrissey fan. That's not controversial. Everybody loves Morrissey. (laughs) That's not true. They also hate him. They either love or hate him. So depending on who you talk to. So I'll just go off of what I listened to on the way up here. Uh, I fucking love ABBA. I really do. I I, I think that that, uh, they're pigeonholed into like the disco scene. And they have so many great songs. I think, uh, yeah, I think Waterloo is a fucking masterpiece, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, that, that, that type of early 70s type of rock. Yeah, uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I listen to so, so much weird music. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily the weirdest or any, or, <laughs> yeah, or most bizarre, but I think, like, probably the most guilty pleasure when it comes to what other people think. Yeah, I think... Ab is a much better band than anybody and gives them credit for. Um, and any any other upcoming fuss shows that, that uh, the general audience should be aware of? You know, strangely, we actually don't have anything booked right now. Um, we're just kind of open. We're probably going to start trying to uh, play around with writing again and uh, just see how that goes. 
Well, again, thank you very much for the time and uh, continued best luck uh, to you. And I'll be catching you guys hopefully in New York sometime soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed uh, that interview. Um, I really had fun uh, speaking with them and uh, I really hope that they do get back up to uh, the New York City area sometime soon because uh, I would love to see them. They're, they're, they're an amazing live band, by the way. Um, so if you ever happen to see uh, them in your area, uh, they will definitely get you to move your feet. Um, but don't take my word for it. Uh, let's listen uh, right now to uh, a song off of uh, that LP we were just talking about. Uh, this is from uh, their debut full-length LP, Ourselves, and this is The Fuss with Riot, right here on 100% Ska.
100% Ska, and you just heard The Forthrights with Stay Out Late. Uh, before that was Ja On Slide with Cello. Uh, before that, The Two-Tone Club with I'm Not Safe With Your Love. That comes off of their newest album. And starting us all off there was The Fuss with Riot. And that comes off of their newest album and their debut a full-length album, uh, Ourselves. And that was the song Riot. Uh, probably one of my personal favorites uh, off of that album, although there's several tracks on there um, that are really stunning. Um, we mentioned this in the interview, um, but Old Testament is really a really killer track. Um, great, uh, a couple other really great songs on that album, and the whole thing is a winner. So um, you should go out and pick that up. Um, it is out on Jump Up Records, and uh, I haven't seen it on their site yet. I think they might have um, a little bit of a backlog on pressings for it. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but it, it is out there. Um, the band does have it for sale, so if you happen to see them live, you can pick it up there. Um, and I'm sure that uh, Jump Up will have it uh, in stock on their site uh, as soon as it is available. Um, moving on, um, something else that is also available, um, the song we're going to be playing uh, next here. Uh, this is the Pandemics with Killing Time. 
Uh, this comes off of their the uh, Lonely Atom Records uh, split seven inch uh, with uh, in circles, um, which is also available uh, from uh, from Lonely Atom Records. So if you haven't picked this up yet, uh, it is a great little ditty uh, and an excellent selection, an excellent addition, I should say, uh, to your collection. So without further ado, let's listen to the pandemics with Killing Time right here on One Hundred Percent Scott. Stole my weed. Guess he wanted to get. 
That shit from the ganja man Earlier that day I was looking forward to blazing up My girl, she was coming to play I waited all week to get me some That shit smelled good, that shit smelled strong
Hey, welcome back. Uh, that was the Hub City Stompers uh, out of my old stomping grounds, New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, with the song Bumblebee. Uh, before that was Murphy's Law with uh, the Ska song. That was abundantly clear. Uh, before that, we had Mephiscopheles uh, with Satan Stole My Weed. That comes off of their uh, newest uh, six-song uh, six EP, self-titled EP, uh, that they put out back in 2015. And then starting us all off there was the Pandemics with Killing Time. Um, interesting note, um, that was not a coincidence that you heard Pandemics and Mephiscopheles back-to-back uh, -back there, uh, for they are both supporting uh, Los Pies Negros uh, in uh, New York City on August 31st uh, at the Brooklyn Bazaar. And funnily enough, uh, your very own DJ Ryan Midnight will be co-DJing that show uh, as well, along with uh, La Comadre. So uh, get some tickets for that. It is going to be an amazing show, an amazing start 
uh, to Labor Day weekend here in uh, New York, and uh, I really hope to see you there. Um, if you do need tickets, um, I actually do have one left over at the uh, the cheap early price of uh, 20 bucks. so uh, reach out, um, which is also, how do you reach out? Uh, so you can find me pretty much everywhere under the DJ Ryan Midnight uh, moniker. Uh, I am on uh, DJRyanMidnight.com, where you can stream all of the old episodes uh, of the show and hear about and find out about uh, upcoming place, places uh, that I will be uh, doing live DJ sets. Um, you can also find me on Facebook as uh, DJ Ryan Midnight, um, or again, um, you can get pinged whenever a new episode of the show is up. Um, anytime I'm, uh, you know, DJing or you know any random stuff that I might happen to uh, decide to publish um, on any given notice. So find me, follow me, like me, blah blah blah. Um, let's see what else. That's pretty much it. So. Um, as always, wherever and whenever you are listening to this show, uh, thanks as always for your continued listening. Um, it really means a lot to me. And uh, tell your friends and uh, coworkers, uh, lovers, frenemies, um, acquaintances, um, all about the show. Um, every view, every listen counts. Um, so thanks for that again. Um, so we are going to uh, end off the show here uh, with the big ska band uh, with uh, Lester Sterling. Uh, ghost uh, guest playing on this and this is a their own take on the traditional farewell Jamaica thanks for listening we'll see you next week